Well, I hope everybody did have a good fourth. And um, as Kathy was kind of praying, just being thankful and grateful for kind of a, a dual independence that we have that here in our country, but also that we do have it in our Lord that whether there is turmoil and whatnot within our country or things are smooth and good, either way, we still have our, our freedom and our independence in the Lord. And that cannot be <clears throat> stolen or altered or lost. So um, definitely a time to be thankful. But um, today where the Lord led me and actually uh, kind of like Larry mentioned last week, he said, I think either Saturday, the day before or Sunday, like I got nothing. And all of a sudden the Lord brought him something. And that was me last week. But this week, this came uh, on Monday and I knew right away because it was a situation um, where a friend of mine had posted something on Facebook and uh, immediately I was remembered of the story and shared something on his Facebook page regarding it. And I thought this is definitely something needs to be shared because it's a story that we've all heard and we've heard it numerous times. Uh, my wife is gonna read Matthew chapter four here in just a minute. Uh, it's, it's the beginning of chapter four. So verses uh, one through 11 in Matthew four, if you guys wanna flip to your Bibles. Um, it's where uh, Satan tempts Jesus in the desert. Um, so we all, we all heard this numerous times, but um, it was probably a couple of years ago um, where I read a commentary about it, and it just totally revolutionized my relationship with the Lord and how to see that story um, and this how it plays out in my life. And I, I, I want to share it with you in the way that it will do the same for you. Uh, so when situations rise up in your, your everyday um, there'll be a different approach that you might take to how you handle the situation. So uh, I'm excited to share this. Um, so, uh, but before we start, I'm going to have, let me get, I got a few notes here I wrote down. Um, but the title I'm calling this is, What is Life and Death to Us? Um, and I'll get to that when I kind of explain uh, this story a little bit more in detail of what was life to Jesus and then what would be death to Jesus and how through this story, how he modeled what was life to him and what would be death to him, that we would then take that on uh, ourselves with our relationship with the Father as well. Um, in that, what would we choose and not choose? Because choosing something that would not be from him would be death to our heart and soul, um, or choosing what he did have would be life to our heart and soul. So I'm going to have my lovely wife go ahead and read uh, Matthew 4, verses 1 through 11. All right. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I give to you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended to him. Amen. In what version was that? Uh, NIV. New okay. Version. That was the NIV, so I'm not sure what all version you all had, but uh, that was the NIV. So, um, 
A story we've heard numerous times. It's also uh, that account is given, but also in Mark and in Luke as well. Um, so a story we've heard numerous times. In, in the three temptations there, the main one I'm going to focus on is the first one um, that's in verse four, which is that man will not live on bread alone, uh, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So a um, couple of things just to like what it is what we're going to look into uh, regarding this entire passage, but especially the first few verses. Um, and the question rises up is why didn't Jesus turn the stone into bread when he was so very hungry? Um, and again, how this can play out into our lives when we are in need of something or lacking something or longing for something what do we do? Do we take um, matters into our own hands and provide for ourselves because we're impatient or because we're not trusting the Father? Um, or do we wait? Can we wait? You know, the Father doesn't tell us, well, Greg, this is going to come in 17 days, five hours, and 16 minutes, so just hang on. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> we just have to go step by step, and eventually what He wants to provide comes along the way. And really, as an aside, you know, after my divorce, I was single for a long time and waiting for the father to bring me my bride was worth the wait. Um, obviously, I could have gotten myself into a relationship that yeah. I shouldn't have, but that's just one example. There are numerous examples on a day to day basis how we can take the provision, <clears throat> excuse me, take the provision out of the father's hands because we're not trusting or again, we're impatient, whatever the reasons are. But as I go through this teaching here, uh, hopefully this will just kind of hit you like a Mack truck because this just blew me away as to why Jesus did what he did in this story. Um, so a couple points to consider. Um, first thing is, is just the temptation that was here. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I just find it funny how we can read any story in scripture and hear, well, Jesus you know, went from this town to this town and we just think, oh, he was just there and didn't realize, well, he walked on dirt roads in sandals and the distance between the towns was, you know, 30 some odd miles and realized, okay, if most people walk four miles per hour, that took him eight or nine hours to, without stopping. If he didn't stop, it took him eight or nine hours to get to that new town. And we just think, oh, Jesus walked from this town to this town. And we never would give it a second thought as to what it really takes. Um, because I don't know about you, I've not walked eight or nine hours straight to get somewhere. <laughs> so, um, when it says that Jesus, uh, in the first couple of verses, it says after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And that's just like <clears throat> the most obvious statement. Of course he was hungry. I'm hungry when I miss a meal. I'm hungry if I miss two meals. And this was 40 days and 40 nights that he didn't have anything. So <clears throat> what I'm trying to do here is paint a picture of the temptation that was here. He was also all of his capacities were fully exhausted. He was mentally exhausted. He was physically exhausted. He was emotionally exhausted. He was, you know, battered and, and tempted by, um, by Satan in, in a spiritual warfare type thing. I mean, his entire system, his entire be, uh, being was completely depleted and exhausted to the point where it's nowhere near any type of exhaustion that we have had. So I think what, Matthew or Mark or Luke is really trying to convey here is let me paint a picture as to what this was really like. We just think, oh, he didn't eat for 40 days and 40 nights and he was hungry, but we don't really 
delve deep into what was the condition really like at this moment after 40 days and 40 nights when the enemy then shows up uh, to offer him a handful of things to provide for himself. So, um, <clears throat> you know, it would obviously be a natural reaction for any of us um, to desire food and to satisfy the hunger that was within us, especially after that duration of time. And for those that have done fasts uh, at any time during the year, you understand what it's like. Um, so another point to consider is that <clears throat> there's obviously no sin in wishing to eat. Uh, there's no sin in trying to procure food for you when you were in need of it. Um, and then lastly is the fact that he had the ability to put forth the power, uh, put the power forth that was in him to eat. So obviously that's given to us from God that when we feel a sense of thirst or a sense of hunger or we're fatigued and tired, we provide for ourselves something to drink, something to eat or to lay down and rest. So the, the power that was given to him by the father he had that ability to do so. But again, he chose not to. And the, the reason why for me just astounded me and made me um, trust him all the more, fall in love with him all the more, um, and just realize the love that he had for the Father. <clears throat> but one of the keys here is that um, the power was his not to take care of himself, but to do the work for which the Father sent him to do. So Jesus was at such a place that he knew, um, I'm just here to do the work of the Father, not to provide for myself. Um, and, and this is key here, it was the Father's business, just like it is for us. It's the Father's business to take care of him. So to make that stone become bread would be to take the care out of the Father's hands. Mm. And I want to repeat that again. It, it was the father's business to take care of Jesus. It's not Jesus's business to take care of Jesus, just like it's not ours. He may lead us to do something to choose, but it's the father's business <clears throat> to take care of us. <clears throat> so for Jesus, again, to take that stone that was there and turn it into bread would be to take the care out of the father's hands. And again, that is just like us, if there's something that we are in need of, a new job or something health-wise, um, a relational issue with a spouse or a wayward child or whatever it might be, the Father has something planned for us. We got to believe in Him and trust in Him uh, and be patient while He works out what He works out. Um, and so He has care and provision for us. And when we seize something on our own, we take the care out of His hands. And I've never been a dad, but I just, Kathy, I think of the story either from last week or the week before when you referenced your dad and you said, he just always wanted to take care of us. And the moment we saw him, the very first thing he's made sure we had money for this, that, or the other. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's just in a father and in the father to take care and to have a child do things on their own that maybe they shouldn't do kind of would wound and hurt a father because he wants to, it's his, it's his good, mm -hmm. you know, pleasing desire that I want to take care of my kids. So um, that's part of why Jesus didn't do that because he understood his relationship with the father. And by turning that stone into bread, he would have taken the, the father's, the care out of the father's hands for him. 
So really the story hinges, uh, I, I looked at, I think the King James or New King James Version. Um, let me see where I can find where this was here. Um, where Satan basically, uh, I actually can't find it here in a, a brief, brief moment, but, um, oh, here it is. Uh, it's in verse three. It says, the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones. I think other renditions said, command these stones. But what this really hinges on is the word change, because we're, we're, we're dealing with the issue of changing a stone into bread and really getting to the root issue of, the, of change, of why he did or did not change something. So again, was he not to eat when, when food came his way? And didn't bread come his way when his power met that which uh, could be changed into it? So the questions come to mind, which is, what does it change from? And it's not just change from a stone into a bread, what it would be changed from is from what God made it. God didn't make that bread. He made that stone a stone. Mm -hmm. And what it would be changed into is into what God didn't make it. So I hope that makes sense to you. Mm -hmm. So the whole issue of why Jesus did what he did was because he wasn't going to change something that the father did or didn't do. If the father called something something, he wasn't going to change it into something it wasn't. So. Again, the son was hungry, and the father would not feed him with food convenient for him. Again, remember, this is 40 days, and, and all of his capacities were depleted. But the father in that moment didn't provide the food for him. Um, the father didn't give him a stone when he asked for bread. This, is what, this blew me away. I never saw this in the hundreds of times I've read this story. The father didn't give him a stone when he asked for bread. It was Satan that brought the stone and told him to provide for himself. And sometimes we need to pause when things come our way. This is where we really can see how closely are we following the Lord and how much are we actually dependent on him and seeking him for fathers. Should I do this or not do this? Should mm -hmm. I marry this person or not marry this person? Should I move or should I not move? A lot of times we see something come along our way and we think, well, I needed a new job. Here is a new job. Therefore, I'm just going to take it without pausing and giving it back to the father and saying, Lord, is this job really for me? Because we could say on the front end, well, it's twice the salary. I was making $40,000. This is an $80,000 job. Of course, he would want this for me. He wants to provide. I'm going to take it without asking him mm -hmm. when maybe that wasn't provided from him. That could have been... Uh, you know, somebody that falls into that situation could all of a sudden find out, well, wow, now I'm working weekends and I'm working 12 hour days and I'm away from my family and there's a negative impact on my marriage and a negative impact with my relationship with my kids. And maybe this wasn't such a good idea. And so I, I'm just blown away by this example of the fact that it wasn't Jesus that provided food for him. It was the enemy that brought the stone and told him to provide for himself. And again, he whispers that in our ears all the time. Son, daughter, go ahead and seize this. Take this. Provide for yourself. Of course, the Lord wants you to have this. But the father called that stone a stone and the son would not call that stone a loaf. And we always have to remember that the son and the father are of one mind. And that's where he wants to get us. I think in this story, Jesus modeled the fact that he wants us to become of one mind with the Father as well. 
and that even in maybe our darkest moments or in moments of our greatest need and something comes along our way to discern or pray or ask <clears throat> or see father is this from you do you want me to have this or not and if not to be willing like jesus did even in this moment of extreme dire hunger he still said i'm not gonna do it because again he's of one mind with the father and he knew that the father said this is a stone the father didn't call it bread the enemy was calling it bread and asking jesus um, to yield something of himself just so that he could pr provide for himself so the lord was able to hunger <clears throat> he was able to starve but he would not change something into another thing <clears throat> what his father had made mm. in a different way so the root comes down of, of why again why would he do this why would he in such great need <clears throat> of food and having it in his ability to be provided for why did he say that to the enemy that he would not do it and it, it the the issue lies in verse four and we've all seen this verse quoted it beyond a thousand times but it is something that just jumped out at me in, in in a way i hadn't before and verse four says it is written that man does not live on bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of god in the back half of that verse where it says but on every word that comes from the mouth of god that's the key here it's the word the father's word of that stone is that it's a stone and that's how tight and close and of one mind jesus was with the father is it's of every word every word the father again didn't call that <clears throat> a loaf or provide bread he called that a stone and because he loved his father so much and depended on his father so much because that one word of stone was to be a stone he would not change it into something else so it would be life this is a thing that uh, another thing that just struck me you know in in, in such an amazing way um, that it would be life for Jesus to leave that a stone and just think about that for a second as hungry as he was and as battered and, and, and beaten not physically but just that temptation he went through because we would think gosh it would really be life for him to have that food to nourish his body to help him recover and restore and renew but it was actually life for Jesus to leave that a stone which mm -hmm. the father had made a stone and catch this that it would be death to Jesus to alter one word that his father had spoken which again that thing i mentioned a moment ago where the whole root of the why lies in verse four when it's when it says that it is it is written that man does not live on bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of god again it would be death to jesus to alter one word that his father had spoken and what his father had spoken was that stone was a stone it wasn't that that stone was bread or could be turned into bread. That stone was a stone and it was meant to be and stay a stone. Mm -hmm. Like that is the depth and the breadth of how he lived on every word that the father said. And that just, in a hopeful, encouraging way, it let me know where I stood in the fact that I don't live on every word. I want to. But if I'm honest with myself, I don't. And so I don't want to get in a place of 
self-provision of providing for myself. Um, and, and just as an honest personal story, um, just, just based on things that, um, you know, cause I grew up in a divorced home and things that I didn't get from my birth mom. And this isn't anything negative towards her. I mean, he, she and I have restored and have a great relationship, but I still see myself now a man in his forties still with things that I lacked from there and how it plays out in my days today. And the fact that I actually put undue pressure and needs and wants on my wife that she's not designed to fulfill. I see that now and I'm working against that. My wife is meant to be my wife. She's not meant to fulfill those things. The father will provide those things and he has. And I'm at a place now where I'm in a position to say, if there's something that I feel that I need in that way, and you guys know what that is. When you, when you miss something when you're young and it's dogged you all your life, it's hard to break that habit. It's hard to not long for that. Uh, it is so automatic and so rooted deep in you. Um, but the fact that I'm at a place now where it's like, all right, I'm okay. Because I know the Father will give me, if there's something that I missed that I should have gotten when I was three and four and five and six and seven years old, it's not up to my wife. She's not my wife to fulfill those needs because basically then what I'm doing is I'm making an idol out of her to say she's the one that's meant to provide. And like me, she's a leaky bucket. And like me, like I can't fill her. She can't fill me. We can only take our bucket to the father to get that living water to be filled. And, and I'm glad that the father has showed me that, but our first few years of marriage, I put demands not that it was audible, but internally I had demands that I didn't even know I was putting on her that she needed to come through for me in certain ways. So th 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 this does um, play out in our everyday by the way that we think and feel and want and need. And so I think that's where this story can mesh in with our own life is to say, where are you providing for yourself where you're taking that provision away from the father? And to think on that, and we might not have an answer right now, and that's okay. It might be something that hopefully you can sit with this the rest of the day and through the week and through the rest of the month, and maybe something pops up and two weeks from now, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm providing for myself here. I'm not trusting the Father. Um, but the, again, the Father wants to provide. And the question is, why won't I let him provide? Do I not trust him? Do I not know him deeply enough? Uh, as I said for myself, um, I'm not resting on every word that comes from the father's mouth. I have some, but I do from reading the story, want to get to the place where like Jesus, uh, I won't live on many, many things alone, but just on his word. And if his word is called something, something, I'm going to accept it and I'm going to stay with it. I'm not going to change something into something it was never meant to be. I'm not going to force something from my wife. I'm not going to force myself into a job just because of various reasons. I'm not going to force anything. So really key here again, um, th this story of the fact of, again, the, the title was what, what was life and death to us? Because life and death to Jesus was the fact of, what, what, what is life to me is that I am not going to alter one word that the Father has spoken. If I would, it would be death to me, my being, my heart, my soul, all that. That's what it was for Jesus. That's what it needs to be for us. And so the question we need to just wrestle with for weeks on end is, 
what is life or death to me? Is it every word, knowing that every word from the Father might mean I might not get what I want now, or I just might not get it, period? Mm -hmm. Am I okay with that? Um, so anyway, I'll leave that open to any thoughts, questions, just reactions you guys might have with that. Um, maybe even how hearing that story again from Matthew 4 says, wow, I see how this has been playing out in my life the last couple of weeks. I've been trying to force a square peg in a round hole in my life right now by providing for myself in these various ways. Um, so I'll just leave that open for our last, whatever it might be, 10 or so minutes for discussion of um, what did that story do for you? Was that a different way of seeing that story? Uh, wow, I never realized the level of temptation that Jesus was under, or uh, I never really gave serious depth to the fact of um, you know, how he just was so rooted in the Father that even when he was in dire hunger, it would be death to him to provide for himself and call something that the Father didn't bring to fruition. So. Well, Father, thank you again for, uh, I know I say it every Sunday, but the Sabbath is so critical. You've given us the Sabbath because we we were made um, for the Sabbath, Lord. Uh, the Sabbath is something that will renew us and restore us, uh, something that we need to have a daily Sabbath, of course. But there is, by way of your creation, a day where you you tell us to rest from everything. And so help us to rest from everything. But in that word rest, as, as Kathy just mentioned a moment ago, or let that rest be something that just permeates through our being all the time, that we're, we're not having to scurry and hustle and do and provide for ourselves, <clears throat> especially in ways we're not meant to. Um, but that we're just still, I'm just reminded of just uh, your yoke is easy and your burden is light. Um, so I just pray, Holy Spirit, for your um, communication to each of us, that if, if we get wayward and off track, that there is a, a way of communicating to each of us. And it could be different to each of us, how we hear or see or feel. And that's, that's awesome because you know us intimately. But to get us to see, almost like you asked Adam in, in Genesis 3, Adam, where are you? Or you might say, Greg, where are you? Kathy, where are you? And it might be like, oh, wow, I didn't realize I was where I was. Thank you for revealing this to me. Let me come back to where I should be. Um, but I just thank you, Father, that, um, again, you, you sent your son for us. And Jesus, I am just all the more awed by you and just... You are so true. If there, if there was a moment where th this, this whole story that we just read, so many times uh, in life, people cut deals behind closed doors. And even though that this was a closed door kind of thing, no one was, else was around Jesus but you and the enemy. And you didn't cut any deals because you loved us so much. And you did this for the joy that was set before you. And you did this because of your love for the Father and your one-mindedness with the Father that no matter how desperate in need you were of, of water and food and rest and, and restoration to your whole being, because you love the Father so much and because you loved us so much, you wouldn't cut this deal with the enemy. If this just shows us how true you are and how much we can trust you, 
Uh, I, I don't know what else could. And so I just thank you for this story. I thank you for doing what you did. I thank you for the impact that you've had through this story on my life. And I pray this over everybody on the call that this would impact them in, uh, in a way that they realize my father is a wonderful provider. I might not get what I want. I might not get it when I feel I need it. But I know we can all look back and see ways, Lord, that you have provided for us. And let that be something that we hold on to now so we can say, you know what? I remember a few years ago when I was under it and struggling and all of a sudden the rescue finally came. And even though I'm in something right now and I want it to end now, I'm not going to call something right now that's not meant to be right now. I just know the Father at some point will provide what I need when I need it. Um, so ultimately what this comes down to is just for us to know you more and trust you more, depend on you more and love you more. And you just want to be known because if we get what we get, we're going to be like the nine of those 10 lepers and just get what we want and we'll be on our way. And that breaks your heart because you want relationship with us. You want us to be like the one leper that came back. So Lord, let that, let that be our passion and our desire that above anything we just want relationship with you not just let me get what i need and see you later so i thank you for your heart your heart that is just so full of love that you are love um, so i just pray that your love would just fill each person on this call um, to where their cup overflows uh, lead us and guide us in this day father may we surrender all things to you today and just be with you and receive from you and love you back with every every fiber of our being we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.